particular text that I just read is a text that needs to be uh, in our hearts at all times. We need to buy into this text. We need to live this text. But in order to hear the text, we've got to get ready to hear it. So today we're going to spend most of the time I have left today getting ready to hear the text. We're going to do the preparation work and get the stage set, our hearts ready, and then we're going to hear the Word of God. Now, in order to understand totally what's going on in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 13, we really need to begin in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. You know, we need to really go back all that way in order to work our way up to this particular point in Romans. We're not going to do that, but we are going to back up to the beginning of chapter 10. So I invite you, if you have uh, scripture there in front of you on a device, in a book, whatever, to open up to Romans chapter 10. We're going to look at those opening verses. If you were here last week, you recall we talked about how difficult uh, chapters 9 through 11 are in Romans because in this section of his letter, Paul is really dealing with a problem that is very personal to him. He is dealing with the problem of what do we do now that God has brought the Messiah into the world and his chosen people, the Israelites, many of them are not accepting Jesus as the Christ. They were the ones through whom he came to this earth And yet, now that he is here, so many of them are not embracing him as their Savior, as the Christ. And as we pointed out last week, this is not just an intellectual problem for uh, for Paul. It is a personal problem for him because he is Jewish. And so many of these people that are rejecting Jesus as the Messiah are in his family or in his circle of friends. He can call names. He knows faces. And therefore, he struggles with that. Well, as he's working through that, he comes to this point that we call chapter 10. And in this very uh, complicated, very uh, deep uh, passage, suddenly just a ray of light just beams out. Something that not only did these people need to hear, but that we need to hear. So let's get ready to hear it. Chapter 10, verse 1, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is the Jewish people that's part of Paul's nationality, his family, is for them that they may be saved. Now, one thing we have to do before we continue reading this is to stop and look at that word saved. What does that mean? I wish we were in a classroom setting so you could give me some feedback. I know this doesn't really lend itself to that. But just think, what, what, when you hear the word saved in a religious context, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Heaven, right? It, it, I want to be saved so I will go to heaven. And certainly heaven, eternal life, living with God forever, is in the concept of salvation. Whenever God saves us, he makes us his children, and we as his children will live with him for eternity. So salvation has to do with eternity. However, there's much more to it than that. 
When we think of salvation, we have to hear the other meanings of that word too. So oftentimes, the word that's translated salvation is also translated healing, or it's translated wholeness. And therefore, to be saved is to be made a whole person. To be saved is to have the wounds and the struggles and and the pains in our life healed. And therefore, salvation is more than just for the future, it's for the present as well. That when we are saved, things come together for us. Things begin to make sense for us. We find purpose. We find life. We find a reason to be. We find all of these things because we've been put back together. We've been healed. We've been told who we are, where we fit in. All of these things fall into place because we are saved. So try to have that broad definition of saved and try to especially to have the present definition of what it means to be saved right now as we continue reading. Paul brings up another word that we have to spend a little bit of time on. He says, for being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to or accepted God's righteousness. Guess what word we want to talk about now? (laughs) Righteousness. Now, that's a good religious word, too. What is the first thing that usually comes to your mind when someone in a biblical context says righteousness? Well, to be honest, even after all these years and reading Paul and understanding Paul, one of the first words that pops into my mind is goodness, right? That if I want to be righteous, I have to be good. And therefore, to be totally righteous, I have to be totally good, Another word that translates righteousness in Scripture is justification. And that one's a little bit better because justification means that I'm not good, but I've been justified. As someone pointed out after first service, that old saying that justification means just as if I hadn't done it. You know, that I did it, I messed up, but justification means it's like now I didn't mess up, that I have been forgiven. Well, those are good. That's good. There is an element of goodness and righteousness, and certainly there's the, the idea of justification, of forgiveness. But when Paul speaks of righteousness, when we read Paul, we have to continue to remind ourselves. I know we've talked about this several times, but I have to keep reminding myself. He is primarily talking in relational terms. When he talks about righteousness, He's talking about a right relationship with God, that things are good between me and God, that the things that had messed up that relationship have been taken care of, and the distance that I felt from God, the distance I experienced from God has been closed, and things are good between me and God, that the creator of the universe, the one who who made everything, the one who is over all things, knows me, knows my name, and he likes me. He loves me. And he has accepted me as his child. We all know, don't we, how good it is to have a right relationship with someone. You know, when we have our right relationships with those who are in our family and those in our circle of friends, 
It just makes life so much easier. We've all been around people, haven't we, that you have to be careful what you say because if you say the wrong thing, you know you're going to make them mad. You know that it's going to be a terrible day because you said something or you did something that they don't like. Well, sometimes we kind of live that way with God. You know, that, oh, well, I've got to be careful if I make the wrong step, if I say the wrong thing, then all of this relationship that we've built up is just going to collapse, you know, and, and, but to trust that it's okay. There's a good relationship there. Now, Paul says that God had a way of doing that. But the problem is that his fellow Jewish people are trying to make it happen themselves. That's the primary problem going on here, is that even though God says, I have a way to save you, I have a way to make you righteous, to make things right with me, they continue to work at it in a different way. For them, it was keeping the law of Moses, making sure they did the Sabbath right, that they did the circumcision thing right, that they kept these, the dietary laws, that they did this, they did this, they did this, and therefore they kept working toward them being right with God. Before we go on and look what Paul says that can make us right with God and save us, what are your ideas? What do you spend your time doing trying to make sure you're right with God? You know, there's a lot of good ideas out there. There's things that really are good in and of themselves. Uh, Some people, when they feel like they're not right with God, come back to church. Well, that's good. Being a part of a church, I think, is God's plan for his people. I think he, 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 church is, is high, not only on my list, but it was high on the Apostle Paul's list, too. He said the, the mysteries of God are revealed in the church. Jesus loved the church and died for the church. Church is important. To be a part of a community is our calling and what we should do. But is it the source of our salvation and our righteousness? Will going to church make us feel more saved and more righteous? Sometimes we think, well, I need to read my Bible more and I need to pray more. Those are good things. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to be a people of the Word. We need to learn about Him. We need to learn about God. We need to be a people of prayer who are constantly before the throne of God, experiencing His presence. But is that the source? If we do that enough, if we add more prayer time, more study time, then are we going to feel saved? And are we going to experience the right relationship with God? There's other ways we try that are not nearly as good as those. Uh, You know, sometimes I'm pretty good at just ignoring the whole thing. (laughs) You know, just ignore it, it'll go away. Don't think about that. Sometimes I'm good at comparing myself to some of you. I said that on purpose. You know, comparing myself to other people and say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as Bob Knox. Right, okay, I can pick on Bob. I'm doing okay, Uh, so it's all right, you know. You you can always find someone else that's made more mistakes or someone else whose sin is greater than your sin, you know, in your judgment. You know, yeah, I've sinned, but I've never done this. I've never done that. I would never do that. And anyone who does that, they are terrible. You know, we can do all those things. We can play all kinds of games. Or we can just play the, the, the game of hypocrisy and put on our, our little nice mask and pretend that everything's okay, even though we don't think it is. Well, 
Paul has an answer for us. And we want to read his answer, and I think we're ready to hear it now. Because in its simplicity, it is very clear, and it is life-giving, I think, it is to me. It's just right here all along. Every time I read, well, not every time, a lot of times when I read this passage, I think of the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Okay, let me make the connection for you. The story of the Wizard of Oz is about a little girl that ran away from home, wasn't it? That she was all frustrated, scared her dog was going to get kidnapped, all those things. So she runs away from home. And she's not real high on home at that time until she gets carried off by this tornado into the land of Oz. And then she wants to go back home, doesn't she? She begins to realize how good home really is. But she doesn't know how to get back home. And so she has to do, she thinks she has to do all these things. She has to go kill the Wicked Witch of the West. And you've seen the movie, right? And they got those scary monkeys. All those things used to scare me when I was a kid. Uh, it was frightening. Uh, uh, even today when I see it, I sort of, oh, okay. Anyway, flying monkeys and all this. When all along at the end of the movie, you find out she could have gone home all along, couldn't she? It was all about the little ruby slippers and saying, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. Sometimes we make salvation and righteousness so hard and so difficult. And Paul writes these words to us to tell us it's right here for us, that you can be a whole person, that you can know your relationship with God is good. Now, I want to hear that, don't you? Here we go. Verse 6. The righteousness that comes from faith, this is how it works. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend up into heaven to bring Christ down? In other words, nobody has to go up into heaven and convince Jesus to come down and save humanity. He decided that by himself. He and God decided that's what needed to be done. It did need to be done, and he did it. And you don't have to worry about that. Just relax, okay? Because Jesus came to this earth to save us. And you don't have to figure out how you're going to get him to do it because he's already done it. All right? Or, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. They killed Jesus, now it's up to me to resurrect him. No, you don't have to worry about that. That's something you couldn't do. It's something that needed to be done. Death needed to be defeated. And by Jesus dying completely dead and God raising him from the dead, there is the power. And you don't have to do that. So here are two things that had to happen. Jesus had to come to the earth. He had to die and be resurrected from the dead. And those things had to happen. And guess what? You don't have to do it. Praise God. (laughs) That's why this is good news. Well, what is it then that we need to do? What does it say? It says this. The word is near you. It's on your lips and in your heart. What word? This word of faith that we are proclaiming. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is, is 
Lord. If you will make that confession that Jesus, God's Son, the Messiah, born in Bethlehem so long ago, who lived, who died, was resurrected, if you will confess that He is your Lord, that's quite a confession to make, to say that He is going to be the one that I follow. What He does, I want to do. Who He is, I want to be. I want to have the attitudes he had. I want to, 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 I want to do the things that he did as far as humanly possible. And I want him to be my protector. I want him to hold on to me. If you are willing to say, Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus died and really was risen from the dead, raised from the dead by God? Now, I can't answer that question for you. Now, I know that you can, you know, you can tell me that, yes, I believe that, or no, I don't, but I don't really know what's going on in your heart. God does, and you do. So if that is something you truly believe, look what happens. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Put back together. The healing power of God will be in your life. You will have a reason to live, a purpose to be. You will be a whole person again. And not only for this life, But when this body fails and it's time for us to depart from this earth, we will have a place to go to live with God forever. Why? Because we have confessed with our lips and because we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, made righteous, made right with God. When we believe that in our heart, then our lives are changed. It shapes us, it forms us, but most of all, what it does is make us right with God. For if you believe in your heart, we are justified, and the one who confesses with the mouth is saved. I want to give you just a moment. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? If in your heart the answer is yes, then you can leave this place knowing and trusting that you are right with God. Now, I want to ask you to do something with me. Will you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord? Would you say it with me? Jesus is Lord. And the promise of Scripture is the gift for that confession is salvation. Now, I trust that and believe that. And you know what the result of that is? Let me demonstrate it in my life. You ready? Here it goes. 
I feel so good. I can relax. I can treasure this life that God has given me because he's promised it will last forever with him. I don't have to be frustrated at myself. I don't have to be afraid of him. Now, right now, I know there's some people say, wait, 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 there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Paul knows, you know, I know baptism is important in our lives. Paul knows that. Read Romans chapter 6. I know repentance is important in our lives, and we need to learn to do those things. There are things that we do, but let's not spoil the moment. Paul didn't. He just said, if you will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you're saved and you are right with God. No one who believes in him will be put to shame. He is Lord of all and generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to stand in just a moment and sing a song. And this church is all about people being whole and people being right with God. Some of the leaders of this church will be standing on the perimeters of this room. And please, if you need the wholeness that God has to offer, if you want to leave this place feeling right with God, go to them. Let them pray with you. Leave here knowing that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Let's stand and sing.